So if you've brought your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Last week we started a brand new series called Sermon on the Mount. We're going to spend the summer going through Jesus' greatest teaching. Sermon on the Mount is the compilations of Jesus' greatest teaching. They are standards of living that we are called to, and they're actually high standards. So it means it actually takes the power of the Holy Spirit to live it out. These are not just um, you know, good morals that he's teaching us. Of course, there are morals within it, but they are high standards. Also, last week we talked about that, that these kingdom values that Jesus gives us are often or sometimes contrary to the world's way. So that means it will challenge us if we're living worldly. And it will take the power of the Holy Spirit to, to live that out. So he launches the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes at the start of Matthew chapter 5. And the Beatitudes are attitudes that Jesus is telling us. As Christians, we should live with these attitudes in mind. Beatitude basically means the blessings or blissness. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read all of the Beatitudes today. Verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Just let me just pause here. I, I don't know why I do this, but I just feel like maybe people want to know this. It's very interesting that, this, that the Beatitudes are sandwiched between. It starts out with the kingdom of God. It is, which is present tense, and ends present tense. And everything else is will be. So you're going to get there, future tense. So starts out, sandwiches between the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is, right now, plural, or present, is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are the uh, eight beatitudes or nine beatitudes that, that Jesus references. And last week we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. This week we're going to talk about blessed are those who mourn. Now, if you remember what we talked about the word blessing, it means to, it's fortunate or congratulations is an order. because uh, And it's kind of like an oxymoron because he's saying blessed are those who mourn. It's like happy are those who are, are not happy. Like, that doesn't make sense. But Jesus makes sense of it because there is a way to properly mourn. One of the things that I've learned as, as a pastor, and really I think most of us kind of figure this out the older we get, it doesn't take very long when you meet someone new to hear the pain, the major pain of their life. I, I've seen this with waiters, complete strangers. As soon as they sense you're a kind person or you're willing to give an ear, or you're getting to know somebody somewhere within the, the conversation, if someone's hurting, that pain almost always comes out. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Now this word mourn uh, in the Greek 
Uh, I, we got a working definition for you. It's, it's, let me just first say some of the things that I read about it. So it's a verb, which you know means it's, it's an action that's happening. So it's a verb that denotes an activity of mourning. So it's not just that you're sad. It's not just that you're experiencing suffering. There's actually something active. You're actually doing something with your pain. You're doing something with your mourning. Now, this is, our culture is not very good with pain. Our culture is not very good at expressing pain. So here's the working definition that I want you to grab today to understand what Jesus is saying is, what does it mean to mourn? It's grief or sorrow of the heart usually expressed, and expressed is the key word here, usually expressed by tears. It means you're doing something with it. Some of us think we're mourning just because we acknowledge we're going through something hard, but that doesn't actually mean you're mourning. We, we want to stuff our pain. We want to bury our pain. It means to mourn, to be sad, to grieve, to be well, or lament. That's why it's talk, That's why I included in there, like, there's, like, tears. or this, You're really feeling this and engaging with the emotion of sorrow. So there's three categories. And I think every one of us in this room have experienced some type of loss, some type of sorrow, some type of grief. So there's basically three categories that that I want to highlight today that you could fall under if you feel like I'm mourning or I'm suffering. Number one is when we mourn over a loss. There's something you've lost, right? This could be a loss of a relative, someone who's passed away, a dream that you once had and, you know, you were once passionate about it, but... You're no longer excited, and, and you're not sure, like, why am I not excited about this? And you're, you're losing the passion. Um, a loss of a marriage, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but it happens where there is brokenness. I'm sorry, this keeps popping on me. Um, a failed business, you know, all this. Something's happened, and you've experienced a loss. The th- second category is uh, suffering. It's We mourn when we suffer. Right. This is when you find out you get that diagnosis from the doctor and you, you find out something traumatic is going on in your body. This could be a life transition. It could even be a good thing. You can suffer even in a good thing. Like you're moving to a new city and you're really excited about it. But when you get there, you're mourning. Um, this transition has caused you to mourn the loss of your, your old city, your old friends. And now you got this, you're learning all this new thing. Could be a new job. And transition can bring suffering. Uh, I, uh, I wrote this down. COVID-19 was a global suffering the world experienced together. And we were all mourning. Uh, in the midst of that. Now, I personally feel like at least, you know, I can't be a judge of everybody, obviously, but I think like overall, at least for the Western world or United States primarily, we did not do good at suffering through that. Like we were just, if I, we were just mad. That's probably the best way to say it. We were angry and we were mad because we didn't know how to mourn. In the Western world, I think because of our wealth and all the science and all the accomplishments and all the good things we have, when we face difficulty, we don't even know how to do it except get mad at it because we essentially have, like, the emotion of an 8-year-old and, like, I don't like this and let's get on Facebook and tell everyone. And, uh, and then the last one, and, and certainly it includes mourning over our sin. Now, I want to highlight personal sin, but it can also mean just the, 
globally the sin that that we experience, both personal and the world sin. What do you mean? Like injustices of the world, racism, uh, abortion, poverty, like all of these things that we know is a result of the brokenness of the world. But we can mourn. You're mourning when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin or something you see out in the world and your heart is saddened by what has happened. I think we all mourn over what's taken place in Texas and we're seeing the loss of life and these students who've tragically killed. And we, this is mourning. That's what that is. You're seeing the sin and the brokenness of the world. And we should mourn at injustices. We should mourn when there is loss. We should mourn. Now, there's a difference between mourning and moaning. And so I want to I want to talk about that because we don't do it well. And Jesus says, look, you're fortunate if you mourn, if you can actually express your pain. And we don't. We express anger. We express disappointment. But we don't actually say, I'm just sad about this. I'm just broken. But one of the categories is mourning over sin because sometimes God will allow you to suffer to get your attention. How do I know? Well, because we all went through a global pandemic and it got every, everybody's attention. That did not impact anybody, and God certainly did allow it. I'm not saying it came from God, but I'm just saying it got our attention. And it, it, it communicated some things to me. It reminded me of things I really do value. We all, if, we, if we're paying attention, we could get some good nuggets out of those last two years. But we didn't do it well. But in terms of personal sin, I want you to catch this because... Some of us, we, we can't wrap our theology, our head around the theology that, that God will actually use loss or suffering or, or mourning to get our attention about the sin in, in our life. Hebrews 12, 4 through 7 says, in your struggle against what? You can say it. In your struggle against what? Oh, it's highlighted. Okay, so you got the answer right. All right, so... Against sin. So the context of everything we're reading is our struggle against sin. Talking to Hebrew believers. So this is all of us. None of us are fully healed. We said this last week. None of us are too far gone. Um, God can reach all of us. We are all in the process of sanctification. So until we're in heaven or unless Christ returns, we're always going to have the struggle against sin. Uh, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So it's kind of, you know, uh, indicating Christ did that for us. And you have completely, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes rebukes you, if the Lord is rebuking you and bringing discipline, you're going to feel that. There's going to be mourning to it because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone who accepts, accepts as his son, endure hardship. All right. I, I'm excited about this series because there's a couple pieces throughout the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about how to endure our hardship. And in the Western world, the Chinese Christians, they know how to endure hardship. Uh, the believers in Iran who literally are being beheaded for their faith, they know how to endure hardships. We don't. We're like, 
no, let's get as many guns as we can and push against. And when Jesus is saying, and God is saying, listen, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. I want to say this differently because what, what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, like, God is not going to waste hardship. In the kingdom of God, there is no waste. In your loss, in your suffering, in your pain, you've lost a marriage. Maybe he is disciplining you, and you're like, I don't like this moment. And I think we all feel like when we're in pain, we feel like it's never going to go away. We feel like God's mad at us. And Hebrews doesn't say that. What he's actually saying is, hey, if you're going through something hard and you're not sure, just endure his hardship, endure it as discipline, because the Lord is going to give you a nugget and a promise. He's not going to waste uh, that suffering or that loss in your life. It feels like God's absent. It feels like God's uncaring. It feels like God's mad at me. And he's not. He actually loves you in your pain in the midst of it. But we don't do it well. So I want to talk about how... How to mourn well. How, how to grieve. How do you do this well? There is a, a healthy way and an unhealthy way to process our pain and our, our emotion. And our world right now is certainly in the midst of pain. I mean, ever since, that, the, since the pandemic, antidepressants have gone up. Uh, all sorts of people in the medical field are quitting their jobs uh, be, because of the pain they are feeling and trying to help people. So how do we, how do we suffer well, if we can say that? I want to give you theology today. I want to I give you a way to biblically honor your pain. Because we can do this. But we have come out of a, a movement that, that has basically taught us pain is bad. And if, you're, if you are in pain, it's because you don't have faith or you're doing something wrong. And there's this, a prosperity gospel. And the gospel to you means everything is good and everything is hunky-dory. And everything is love and life and goodness. And we never feel pain. And that is not the promise of the gospel. The promise of the gospel is Jesus is present in your pain. He is with you in your suffering. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So if you are in a place of discomfort, if you are in a place of loss, you've experienced something tragic recently, some type of loss, some type of suffering, Jesus says, no, you're blessed. You can't see it now, but you will be comforted. So take hope in that. So here's... How do we mourn well? Number one, we learn to express our pain. Learn to express our pain. And I don't just mean know you're going through something hard, but to actually talk about it, to actually express it. Pain and hurt is inevitable. It's coming to all of us. Uh, if you're not hurting now, one day you, there was going to be something hard in your life. Everybody goes through something hard. In the moment we're in our pain, it does feel like we're the only ones who get it. And that's what the enemy tells you when you're in pain, by the way. No one gets this but you. No one understands what you're going through. No one has ever been through this before. My, 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 my situation is unique. My divorce is unique. The, the thing that's going on with my child, it's unique. Like, no, everybody goes through pain. It's inevitable. But mourning is a choice to express our hurt. Now remember, the Greek literally means it's active. You are actively doing something with this emotion of loss, this emotion of pain. Listen, if you don't learn to express your pain, you will transmit it to other people. If we don't learn to 
express our pain and honor our pain and uh, we will transmit it to other people. Uh, there, like I said, there's a difference between mourning and moaning. Moaning is complaining the whole time. You're angry with God. You're angry at other people. Uh, you're justifying your anger. You're just mad and you're like frustrated. You're even hearing this, you know, makes you mad. Uh, you're trying to avoid pain. You don't, you wish you didn't have it. You're wanting to get out of your experience prematurely. That's what it means to be moaning. But to effectively mourn means you're going to allow God to give dignity to your trial. If you do this well and we learn to express our pain, we're going to allow God to give dignity to where I'm at right now. When we don't mourn, we minimize. Ah, it's not that bad. You know, we, when we don't mourn, we minimize what's happened. When we don't mourn, we deny it. I'm good. Everything's good. You know, it's good. It's okay. Like, man, you just went through this. That's pretty tragic. Ah, we're, you know, we're good. We're pushing through it. When we don't mourn, we numb, which means we'll, we will try to find some way to escape. When we mourn, when we don't mourn, we blame. It's easier to blame someone else than to face the loss that you're actually going through. To actually just say, God, I'm just hurting in all this. But we, when we don't mourn, we want to blame somebody because the enemy tells you if you can find the blame, then that's going to be the thing that unlocks and gets you back to a place of healing. But it's not true. No matter what they do, that's never going to, there's not going to be enough sorry. There's not going to be enough apology. There's not going to be enough re- restoration. Like the, the enemy's going to say, and you're going to keep looking and looking because you are not dealing with your trauma, with your hurt, with your pain. So we must learn to express it. And the other way that we when we don't mourn, we busy ourselves. So we will either minimize it, we will deny it, we will numb it, we will blame others, blame ourselves, or blame God, or we just make ourselves really busy so we don't actually feel the pain. We're not good at recognizing our pain. Years uh, in, in 2015, Jen, Jen lost her mother. It was sudden. We didn't know she passed away in her sleep, essentially died of a heart attack while she was sleeping. And by the way, if I go, I want to go like that. I just want to, I don't even want to know. I just want to sleep and be in heaven. And uh, uh, nothing to laugh about, but it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, this is a heavy subject. We got to laugh a little. So, uh, you know, we, at this point, we had never lost a parent. I mean, we've lost grandparents, but we've not, never lost a parent yet in, in, the, in our marriage. So she loses her mom, 23. We just planted the church. We haven't even been to church for a year. There, there's a lot that goes on in church planning. You know, I mean, we were just busy, busy, busy. No one on staff but me. And so Jenny essentially is assisting the church like a staff member but unpaid. And there's just a lot of, a lot of things. And we, and, and we lose her mom. Of course, this is tragic. If you lose a parent, that's absolutely, you know, so heartbreaking and so grieving. And I watch, like, us move from, like, we're already in transition. We've only been in the city for just over a year and we're, we're in the midst of this transition, and we're trying to figure it all out. We're trying to process. So all of this is all new to us, and then we lose her mom, and she loses energy, right? She loses, like, I can see, like, the life just bringing out of her, and I'm mad at God. I tell God. Like, I'm, I'm secretly, I don't tell this to my wife, but I'm, I'm telling God, uh, listen, Lord, like, my wife is gone, and where you just, why would you let, and I'm asking the Lord, I'm being honest with God, like, why would you let, uh, why would you let 
her mom die in the midst of all of this while we're trying to plant a church, and now I've lost my partner too. So she's lost her mom, and I've lost my partner. And I thought in the moment, because I didn't understand grieving well, I thought in the moment she was forever altered because of her pain. So we're out to dinner with some friends in the midst of all that. Uh, and uh, the, the, the wife of the couple that we were with just asked her, hey, how are you doing since your mom died? And she's going on, and uh, she's, she's sharing her heart. And uh, I happen to say in the midst of it, uh, I felt like I lost my wife. Now, I hadn't really thought that I've never said that to her. Now, listen, this is what the enemy does in our pain. I said, I thought, I thought, I, you know, I feel like I lost my wife. And, and she heard, I'm not a good wife. So all of a sudden, like, we're never talking about her mom's death anymore. And she's showing up, and it's, it's kind of like before, but, I could, but it's not like before. That, like, we're doing all the same things before, but there's not the life in her that was like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, all the action's happening, but none of the life is in my wife anymore. And, and then eventually, it's like building up. And by the way, I got permission from her to share this. I, mean, I should probably tell you that. Um, and uh, so it's getting tense because... We're stuffing now. We're not talking about what we've gone through. And it's transmitting all of a sudden into our marriage. And in, not, Jen, from, from both of us, just like we're not dealing with the loss. We're not really mourning. We're not expressing. And so I can't remember the exact situation. We tried to figure it out this morning. We couldn't remember it. Uh, but uh, something came to a head and we said, we got to address this. And we come down to that conversation at the dinner months after her mother died. And so all this anger coming out and all this frustration and, and we're all feeling it. I'm feeling it. She's feeling it. The staff is feeling it or the church. And like we're just not ministering well because of our pain. So we had to address it. And so we did. And we're like, we got to talk about this. Because if we don't, how do you express it? You talk about it. You keep talking about it. And you're like, I'm tired of talking about this. But you got to keep, don't stuff your pain Honor your pain. Learn to express your pain. You have to say what it is. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm, uh, none of it is shocking to God. Psalms 42 uh, gives us some example of how to do this. Psalms 42 verse 9 through 11 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? God is not afraid of your pain. God is not afraid of our honest questions because that's what I was doing with the Lord. What, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where's your God? Why, is, why, is, why my soul are you downcast? You see the self-talk? That's happening with the writer. This is the sons of Korah wrote this psalm. They're talking to God and they're talking to their own soul. Your soul knows when you're suffering. And your soul, you will feel depressed. You will feel tired. You will feel angry. You will feel sad. You will feel fearful. All of these are things, ways that your soul is telling you. And the writers of the psalm is telling us, like, pay attention to your soul. What is it saying? Ask God, why is this happening? Ask your soul, why am I feeling this? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Today, they would call you crazy for talking to yourself. My wife's a self-talker. 
And now we're, now we're uh, empty nesters, and so I hear talking. Are you talking to me? No, I'm talking to myself. I'm like, okay, well, if you start answering yourself, something's wrong. Uh, but self-talk isn't bad, especially when you're, because what the writer is saying is, he says, I'm processing my pain. Why are you disturbed? Why so disturbed within me? And then he tells himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. And I love the word yet. He's telling us, soul, we're going to get through this. There's going to come a day when praise will mean what it used to be in the good old days. But it's probably going to be better because we went through something painful, and now I'm going to have an experience to reference that I never had before. But why are you downcast? So how you do this is obviously tell God. Ask your, I, do, I have a thing I call the pain journal. And anytime I'm feeling pain, I will, I will write down, first I just start off, just what am I thankful for, so I know it's not actually all that bad. And then, and then I'll say, okay, well, this situation occurred this week at work or at home or, you know, with a family member or with you know, someone else, and uh, here's what I feel about it. I don't like, every guy in the room probably right now is rolling their eyes at me because men, we do not do feelings well. We basically have the feelings of a three-year-old ladies are much better how are you feeling mad like men just we basically got four words for feelings which is um anger sad happy uh maybe fear but we wouldn't admit that one so three we'll talk about maybe and it's gonna be one word but there are a lot of nuances to these words we need to expand our vocabulary. So I literally use a feelings wheel. Now, my life coach gave me this because every time I meet, he's like, well, you're frustrated. You're, well, that's the one word you know. Let's give you, let's expand your vocabulary so you can really understand how you're feeling. I'm sorry, this thing keeps flip-flopping on me. So I pull out my feelings wheel. and like, I feel like a kindergartner again. Like, okay, that's what I'm feeling. And I'll write it down and I'll expand on it. And I actually do feel better because I'm learning to express and give vocabulary to my emotion. The other way I'll express is when I'm angry. I, I'll take, I, I remember last, last summer, maybe two summers, I can't remember. I just had a situation, and it like riled me up, and it was a simple thing, but that's what happens when you stuff. It's eventually like a boiling volcano when everything comes out. So I, I had an old water heater in the barn. And I, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. So I, I picked up a sledgehammer. And I am beating the tar out of this. And I'm screaming. No one's home. I wouldn't do that if anyone's around. But I'm, like, screaming and cussing. Like, you, you cuss. Yes. I Like, words a pastor should never say. I shouldn't tell you this, but don't judge me. But I am just going at it. And I mean, and then... I got in the car, went to, Jen was at the campground. I was at home exploding. And then I, and I, I get to, you know, I'm driving to the campground, and I'm, like, all of a sudden, like, just felt, felt released. And, and I am, and I am, I'm able to forgive the person that I was really angry with. But what did I do? I, I expressed it. Now, you think, you're crazy, dude. Christians don't do this. You know you're wrong. Healthy people know how to express anger. The wrong thing would be call that person up and let them feel the weight of my anger. That's unhealthy. Unhealthy is stuffing it like, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't get mad. No, express it. I mean, you look through the Psalms. David was saying some crazy stuff about his enemies. Kill them. This is in your Bible. Kill my enemy. And by the end of the psalm, he's like, yeah, I'll praise you. And like, he, Why? Because he dealt with his stuff. He's, why are you downcast on my soul? Like, t learn 
to express your pain. We bought a punching bag, didn't we? It's this big. We filled that thing with water and probably, you know, at least every couple of months we're in there just like, just going for it, and we feel good. And we got exercise. So, But God will not waste your pain. And how you mourn well is actually deal with it. Talk about it. Journal it. Punch something. Not someone, but something. I remember I read in one of John Eldridge's books where he, he, he had lost a, a family member, so he's dealing with death. And he was so full of rage. And sometimes when I'm home alone and I'm like, and it's bottling up, it's like, I just got to yell. And I'll yell. And, uh, but he talked about him going in, and he had this old garbage can, and he took a ball bat to, and he's like, I didn't care that people thought I was some crazy Christian, but I just felt better. Well, you know why? Because you honored your pain. And there's actually research that teaches this. The Bible had already said it. We didn't need the research. The research is affirming what God's word already said thousands of years ago. So, one, express it well. Express it with a trusted, healthy believer. Don't express your pain with the wrong person. You know, the unhealthy one that's going to tell you, well, go get an attorney and file for divorce. No. Yeah. That's, no. You need someone who's like, this is, do it this way. Or just someone who, someone who couldn't care less, couldn't care more. And I have two, two or three friends, when I figure out and I learn that I'm hiding, I will tell two, like, Here's what's triggering me. Here's what I'm hiding in my life. I don't tell everybody. I'm not going to tell it from the pulpit. Like, I will be honest here. I want to be authentic, but I'm going to be vulnerable with my close friends. But I don't wear the mask anymore because the mask lets you just hide your pain. Number two, trust God will redeem this pain. This is how we mourn well. We, number one is we got to say it express it, journal it. Number two, you have to know that God is going to redeem this. Now, kind of the verse we all quote is Romans 8, like God takes all things, work it for the good. And it's true. But the reality is, is what you initially despise um, will, be, will eventually become something you treasure. When you're, in, when you're mourning, you're despising whatever you're suffering or going through right now, the loss you're experiencing, you're despising it right now. But when God redeems it on the other side, you're actually going to treasure it. You're going to see how God's redeemed the moment. And often, like we just had my sister-in-law, she uh, uh, was up here visiting. They live in South Carolina now, but... Back uh, in 2020 or 2019, her husband was diagnosed with a, with a fatal brain tumor. It essentially was a death sentence. And uh, he, he passed away, I think, April 2020. He, uh, last time we'd seen him, we had drove down just before that thing happened in January. We drove down, visited, and she was up visiting at our house. And we were out back at the patio talking. And I asked her, you know, she, he died. He, she, she lost her husband. And um, I asked her, I quoted this first. Hey, I'm talking about this this Sunday at church. Blessed are those who mourn for they were comforted. Did, you, did that become true for you? And she says, yes. And she says, honestly, I wouldn't change it. She's, because in the midst of it, 
it was hard, right? In the midst of it, she's denying it, right? She's like, I don't want my husband to die. She's doing everything she can to keep the inevitable happening, even though she knows it's coming. But she said, I learned God's voice. She said, I used to think when Christians said they heard God, they were crazy. But in the midst of my struggle, I heard God, and I learned his voice, and I would have never gotten that. Of course she would want her husband back. Of course, she would want to go. She said, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but I would not not want to go through it. And a lot of people, as I, you know, 20 some years of pastoring, we've watched people go through trauma, go through death, go through divorce, go through horrible experiences, go through the worst kinds, kinds of tragedy you, you can think of. But I've noticed people with cancer, when they survive, they say that to me. Well, wow, what? That sounds crazy. It sounds like you're wanting pain. No, I just, the, what, I could not have gotten what I've gotten if I hadn't gone through that. So the thing you're despising right now, tell yourself, God's going to redeem this. He's going to get me through this. He's comforting me right now in the midst of it, but he's going to get me through the other side of it. And one day, I will actually treasure, golly, this thing is really... I think I'm being tested because this is working up not a pleasurable emotion. <laughs> let's, let's keep smiling. It's going to redeem it. <laughs> yeah, where's the wheel? Yeah. <laughs> what am I feeling? I'm embarrassed. That's the feeling. Uh, am, I, am I red? Because I feel hot all of a sudden. Um. I lost my train of thought. I, I will say this, and I'm not romanticizing, you know, things I've gone through, but I understand depression. Like, I, I've gone through that. I've experienced that. It's nothing um, I will ever want. I've been on medication on and off for multiple years. And, um, and I, you know, with this psalm, I'll ask the Lord, why is this happening? Like, why, I'm doing all the right things, and I feel like I'm centered. And, and... When I first discovered, and I was, you know, medically diagnosed with, with depression, I wrote a song called All Things. And kind of the whole thing is like, in my darkness, you're here. And like it's like this real heartfelt song I wrote. All things, in all things, in all things. You're faithful in all things. You never leave us, you never forsake us in all things. You're like, you're faithful. So I write this song. It becomes a theme song at the church. Well, I get through it. I heal. I get healthy. And then years later, we moved to Jackson. And I'm not saying, like, that's just forever gone. Like, it's like... It comes in waves. I'll have great seasons. Of it. And other seasons we're like, okay, I'm not doing well. But I tell people now instead of hiding it. So um, I, some young man that I married was a bass player on the worship team. His wife got cancer and, and she, she died. And she, he still, they're still in Kalamazoo. So I go to the funeral. It's somewhere over on, uh, in the Muskegon area, if I, re, if I recall, or, or South Haven, or somewhere, somewhere over there by Lake Michigan. And I'm, I'm, I'm late to the funeral, so I'm sitting in the overflow room, and uh, they, they say, uh, Caleb's got a song to sing, so this guy gets up, and then first starts singing, and I'm like, I know this song. And, uh, and I'm like, wait, that's my song. Like, my pain in the moment of my depression, here I'm sitting in a funeral, of course, 
you know, I'm not saying it makes her death okay. Don't mishear me. But for me in that moment, what I was despising from years ago was now becoming a treasure because I knew my suffering is now bringing comfort to my friend. And I could see how God is like redeeming my depression and somehow it's speaking in the midst of his depression right now. See, this is a healthy way to view our pain because what we initially despised, God doesn't waste it. He doesn't waste our pain. It's going to turn into a treasure. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Listen, if you're experiencing pain right now, God is comforting you. He wants to anyways. So that we can comfort those in any, any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. When I was writing all things, I was receiving comfort from God. When I'm hearing it sang at the funeral, on the other side of my healing, God is redeeming my pain. He didn't take the depression away. He's redeeming it. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, again, we have little theology for suffering. And as I'm learning, especially on the other side of COVID, like, oh, wait, We've just missed this whole big piece. <laughs> and like there is something real about going through hard things. So also the comfort abounds through Christ. God will never waste our pain, guys. Number three, healthy mourning leads to intimacy with God. This is what my sister-in-law experienced. Healthy mourning will lead to intimacy with God. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here's what I wrote down. Mourning is a bridge between the experience of life's sadness or the loss or the grief, the tragedy, and the heartache you're experiencing, but it'll build a bridge to God's peace and presence. This is what healthy, the word comforter in the Greek means to come alongside, to call upon for help, to strengthen, to, to excite, to comfort, and to encourage. This is what it does. Healthy mourning leads to intimacy um, with God. God loves all his children, but he's closest to the ones who are hurting. He loves all of us, but when you're in pain, he's closest to you. Several years ago, I uh, had, a, had, a, had a lunch appointment with another pastor in town. And my son came over that morning. He's like, something's really wrong with my throat. And he's at the house and um, actually, he was living with us, so he hadn't moved out yet, so he wasn't even married yet. So he's still at home, but he, he got up in the morning, and he's saying, and uh, I just sat and said, hey, you need to go to the med service and um, have them check that out, because that looks like strep throat or something. And so I go about my morning. Well, he goes to the med service, and they're like, hey, something's really wrong with you. You need to go to the hospital. So I, it's still in the moment. I'm like, all right, you know, it's the med. Maybe they don't have the right. And uh, so I'm, I dismiss it. Like, he's really dismissive with his wife and now his kids. Like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Sorry. I'm thinking, like, these are all terrible examples. <laughs> but uh, so I go to my appointment, and, uh, and Jen calls, and, and she's weeping. And they're like, something's really wrong with Curtis. You need to get to the hospital. I love Michael. 
I love Joseph. I equally love them. But you're closest to the one who is hurting. Know this about your God. Because if we can do this as humans, God does this as our creator. And when, he loves all of us. But in the moment of your pain, this is why, Jesus, you're actually blessed because he's closest to you right now. And when we grieve healthily and we mourn in a healthy way, it actually leads to intimacy with God. And I just want to say this as a side note, and I've had Kurt's permission to share this many times, but he actually has Tourette's, Tourette syndrome. And he would, he tells us when we talk about it, I, I like it. One is just open up doors for him. It's I'll open up ministry opportunities to minister to other people who don't understand why they have some neurological disorder. Well, he understands it. He gets that. And, uh, Lord Jesus, where's my ball bat? Where's my punching bag? And uh, I lost my train of thought. So, uh, and he, he will tell you, I'm closer to God because of this. He'll tell you that. I'm closer to God. Now, he doesn't want it. But he knows how to mourn with it. We'll read one more time, Matthew 5, 4, and I want to read it in the, the message translation. Because he, he hits to the thought of the literal translation. So the thought is this. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. That friend, the job, your identity, your kids hurting right now. They've chosen a lifestyle. It's different. You feel like you lost something. You're blessed. When you feel like you've lost what's most dear to you, only then can you embrace, be embraced by the one most dear to you. This word comforter is this, comes from the same Greek word when Jesus says, I will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying, I'll send my Holy Spirit to minister to you. I wonder what it would look like if we just learned to embrace our pain instead of avoid it. Talk about it instead of stuff it. Actually acknowledge it instead of hiding it. I wonder what it would look like if we just would be real and take the mask off. And say, yeah, I'm not doing well right now. Oh, I'm good. Really? Because really got mad over that parking spot like you sure like that seemed really intense like uh, I've learned the greater the suffering the greater the capacity to encounter his love the greater the suffering the greater the anointing in my life so honor your pain and express it no God will redeem it hold on to that blessed when you have lost something dear you're going through, you are blessed. Tell yourself, God's going to redeem this, and I'm going to treasure this story one day. And know that God is present. He loves his children, but he's closest to the ones who's hurting. It's true. God's close to you right now. Would you bow your heads? Father, I just pray for those in the room. They're hurting right now. 
And would you just close your eyes just out of respect for the people around you because I want to minister to those who are hurting. And I don't, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but if you're just hurting, would you just lift your hands, Father? Holy Spirit, you said you would comfort those who are mourning. And this might be your first step that you're lifting in your hands. This is your first time just acknowledging like, yeah, I've not said it, but I'm not doing well. Father, the blessing is your presence. The blessing is your intimacy. The promise is your Holy Spirit. Bless those, Father, who are lifting their hands right now. I pray they would sense the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I pray you'd give them hope beyond this current moment. That the thing they're despising right now will one day produce a story that re- that's redemptive. That you're redeeming their pain. Nothing is wasted on you. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. And so, Father, your word says you bottle every one of our tears. If you've cried, God's bottled everything that's rolled down your cheek. He's collected it. If you're weeping, God's weeping. If you're hurting, God's right next to you. You're blessed. I wish I could say he's going to miraculously get you out of it. I can't. But I can say he's miraculously going to walk you through it. Father, I pray for hope right now to be deposited in the hearts of every person in this room. Holy Spirit, come, Jesus. Touch every hurting heart, every soul that is mourning and experiencing loss. Breathe them, give them life. In Jesus' name.